it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And thanks to Cry Malt, that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer. We're in this special edition Beer Festivals as we catch up with Gab's Beer Festival and Spectacular Enterprises General Manager Mike Bray and Festival Director Craig Williams. It's no secret that 2020 has been a brutal year for events and I've wanted to catch up with Mike and Craig for quite a while now to find out how they were travelling. However, with everything in such a state of flux, they had been holding off having a chat until they had a better idea of what was going on and so they could tell us a little bit about what their plans were for 2021. And I also wanted to get Mike's thoughts on what it was like acquiring the business just months before the pandemic and whether he had any regrets. We talk about all of that and more, but during the course of the chat, they also drop a few little announcements. So we have brought the release of this episode forward from when we originally planned it and released it as a special edition to coincide with their releasing the news themselves. Even without those little droplets of news, it's a great chat about events and managing the COVID year, as well as some insight into the Hottest 100 in Beer Can Design Awards. I hope you enjoy the chat just as much as I did. And welcome to Beer as a Conversation, Mike Bray and Craig Williams. G'day, Matt. How are you, mate? Very well. And uh, how about you, Mike? Hey, Matt. Uh, very good. Thank you. Yourself? No, not too bad. This is uh, very much a uh, transnational. Uh, is transnational? Covering Australia, we've got Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane on the line today. Yeah, fantastic. Mike, I, I, I guess um, both of you, uh, have we, we've had a lot to do with uh, Gabs over the years, but we've not really ever had a, a proper sit-down beer as a conversation uh, with either of you, and uh, particularly you, Mike, uh, who was part of a consortium that bought um, the Spectacular Enterprises last year. Before we go into that, how about we just talk a little bit about who is Mike Bray? Uh, a very good question at this, uh, this day and age, uh, Matt. Um, I uh, immigrated to Australia in 2010 um, uh, from South Africa, um, as I'm sure you can pick up by the accent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I've got a, a, a lifelong history in entrepreneurial space in the, uh, the marketing and event space, uh, interestingly enough, uh, and, and media space. Um, we landed in, in Brisbane uh, in uh, June 2010, the day the World Cup in South Africa actually started. And uh, I opened a extension of a, a, a media arm of, of my business, Penguin International, um, in, in Australia. Um, and yeah, the, the, you know, the short and fast version is uh, we spent a wonderful nearly uh, two years in, in Brisbane um, setting up a startup in the media space, which got acquired by a North Sydney business, uh, O-Media, which... Uh, was Australia's largest uh, outdoor media business at the time, which meant uh, relocating to to Sydney. So effectively, myself and my family, uh, we had two kids at the stage, uh, both in in nappies. Um, we we effectively immigrated and relocated twice within a two year period, which uh, itself uh, is um, is daunting but exciting at the same time. Um, absolutely love Australia. You know, you, you fast forwarded it a couple of years. I spent a wonderful time at, uh, at O-Media. Um, we had a strong affiliation with Australia um, 
historically. Um, my dad actually flew the inaugural SAA flight uh, to Perth um, in, in 1966-67, and I've actually got footage of uh, my mom and dad with a cine camera uh, in black and white going across the Sydney Harbour while the opera house was was being uh, built. So if anyone asks the question, when an opera house is being built, it was in 67. <laughs> I, know, I know that. Um, well, you won up on me. I was born and bred in Australia, and I'd sort of, uh, I would have had to really uh, scratch my head to try and come up with a date. <laughs> Um, I am the fourth of uh, fourth sibling in the in the family, and I think my my parents on that trip um, I went back with a surprise kangaroo in the pouch. Um, so, <laughs> in Afrikaans terms, I'm, I'm a lot lamaki, which is a late lamb um, in in translation. I'm ten years younger than my my youngest sister. Um, and, uh, you know, so we've done the full circle. So I was actually uh, produced in Australia, born in South Africa. Um, I'm now an Irish and Australian citizen that lives back in Australia. Um, so, we, you know, I've come the, come the full circle. <laughs> and, and looking at some of the things that you uh, sort of touched on there, it, it, it sounds like, you know, you, you've been a co-founder um, of, of a number of uh, businesses. You've been acquired. You've stayed on. It's it's been in marketing, um, publishing, and uh, now uh, events. You, you seem to have a, a real entrepreneurial flair. Where does that come from? Um, I I think just from the upbringing I had, and uh, and also the nature of the landscape in in Johannesburg. It's a very fast paced uh, city, and uh, you know there's a huge amount of opportunity. And um, I think just potentially seeing things slightly slightly differently. Um, you know, I've uh, yeah, I've literally uh, since I, I did the normal uh, Australian stroke uh, South African thing and went backpacking. Uh, you know, when I was very very young and University of Life, you learn to stand on your feet very very quickly when you you know you're traveling foreign lands and and you can't pick up the phone and say hey hey, hey mom and dad you know can you can can you get dinner ready um, <laughs> so it's uh, yeah it's just been inbred um, since I was young I started my first venture when I was 22 and um, I think this acquisition uh, that that happened with O Media was probably the first time that I I was uh, working in a corporate environment for you know a reasonable period of of time in in my life and it, it was fantastic uh, subsequent to that uh, I spend some space uh, or some time in the in the event space contracting and, and looking at some lifestyle products and we uh yeah when the when when we were looking to enter the uh, event space uh, uh towards um, the end of last year i actually hadn't heard of gabs at at that stage and friends of mine had been to 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 gabs six years in a row um, in, in Sydney and we're, we're ardent fans and uh, we got we got talking and you know I was I was sharing what I was what I was looking to do and and you know they said there's only one event uh, in in Australia that that I should consider and that was Gabs and yeah I touched base with Stephen Guy um, uh, over LinkedIn at the time and fast forward a couple of months uh, you know all the stars aligned timing was really good for for all parties and um, my partners and I uh, uh, made a made an offer and uh, yeah we are today. Well, we might we might come back to timing and stars aligning. I haven't regretted it for a moment since. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we we might come back to that and uh, introduce Craig Williams. And Craig, what was your path to uh, becoming the uh, festival director for uh, Spectacular Enterprises? Well, tell you what, that's actually a, a journey that starts um, with the very first Gabs at the Royal Exhibition Building in 2012. Um, I was 
at the time I was working with uh, then Fairfax Media um, and I was the, the national sponsorships manager. Um, so I would look after uh, kind of sponsorships across the age, Sydney Morning Herald, the Financial Review, um, and we would sponsor a lot of uh, you know, fairly, fairly cultural events and activities, uh, Melbourne Writers Festival, film festivals, um, food festivals, that sort of thing. And then one day, uh, these two guys come walking in for a, a meeting, uh, Steve Jeffers and Guy Greenstone and uh, a little bit younger looking um, and pitched me this idea of uh, a big craft beer festival. They, uh, I think they, they may have oversold me the dream a little bit. <laughs> they're good at that though. They're big picture guys. They are. They'd, uh, they'd obviously just run their event at the Tap House and um, the, the inaugural Gabs in 2011, and I kind of had that light bulb moment. We've got something here. Let's let's go big. Uh, and I think at the time um, they were looking at you know the Royal Exhibition Building, and the, the initial kind of idea was, well, we'll just take out like we'll hire you know half of the ground floor and do it as a a one day thing or whatever it might be. Um, then they came to the age as sort of uh, literally their first sponsor presentation i was kind of probably just starting my craft beer journey around the same time and i i just love the idea i thought this has got legs craft beer is going places uh let's get the age on board so i put a a kind of a contra sponsorship deal in front of them that uh have in the highest kind of six figures kind of value you know media we always like to talk about uh the the advertising value that you get um i don't need to get you on board and uh work out do a little bit of value for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can we can provide a consultancy service to you, Matt. Um, but yeah, they uh, they loved it, and I think that kind of gave them the confidence to go. Well, screw it, let's go, let's go big. Three days, hire out the whole hall, and uh, basically the biggest exhibition building in uh, in Melbourne. So that was my kind of first involvement. I was one of the founding sponsors of Gabs in 2012. Uh, I kind of we kept that sponsorship going for a, a couple of years, and then. Um, the business kind of changed direction, but I kept in touch with Stephen Guy over the years and uh, would constantly kind of give them a hoy and uh, try and scratch a few tickets for, for me and my mates. And um, my journey then, I kind of went to uh, Fairfax actually, uh, at the time owned one of the biggest events businesses in the country, Fairfax Events, which uh, completely uh, expanded over the, um, the kind of ensuing years. They run the Night Noodle Markets, Good Food Month, uh, City to Surf, uh, so a huge range of events and, you know, this was a kind of a $50 million business for, for Fairfax. So my role there was um, uh, more in business development and strategy, uh, kind of looking at other events and what to, you know, potentially acquire or potentially, um, you know, look at growing further and strategy around that. Uh, I was with them for a little while and then uh, one day out of the blue, I think it was late 2016, something like that, uh, that I got a call from, Steve asking if um, I knew of anyone who might be interested in coming on board as uh, to help them out. Uh, they were kind of getting to the point of they were they just opened Stomping Ground, they just expanded Gabs to Auckland. Uh, you know, Tap House was doing great things, um, and uh, you know, running Gabs is no small endeavour. They used to kind of do it amazingly as a bit of a sideline. Um, <laughs> I don't know how the hell they did it. So I'm laughing because I, I, I'm, I, I was hoping you'd be able to tell me how they did it because I never knew. Yeah, well, uh, that's it. And, you know, they're, they're similar to Mike, very entrepreneurial and uh, kind of have a lot of things going on at once. But, um, yeah, ask me for my opinion if anyone, uh, if they knew of any, I knew of anyone who might be helpful. Uh, so I said, how about me? And, uh, yeah, went in kind of almost flipped the script and uh, I pitched them my ideas for 
for Gabs for the next few years and um, yeah, got the gig. So there you go. And you've been with them ever since, uh, right through till uh, when, and this is where we get to talk about uh, stars aligning and uh, timing, Mike. Um, your, your business uh, purchased Gabs last year after a very successful year. It had grown, um, you know, it had all sorts of uh, successes. And did you anticipate anything along the lines of, you know, when you did your uh, risk assessment and your uh, due diligence and things like that, did you ever factor in a global pandemic? Look, we might have missed that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, obviously, certainly not. Uh, You know, it was... uh, uh, as with, with with everything that's um, that's new, super super exciting, and uh, you know I think uh, we you know embraced opportunity, hit the ground running. Um, Gabs, uh, my first my first experience of uh, of Gabs um, was the hottest one hundred, um, which was which was fantastic uh, in uh, in January, uh, and then we we moved to you know pivoted to. Um, to the festival uh, and and going on sale uh, for the festival. I think we went on sale on on the Wednesday around thirteenth of March somewhere somewhere around there. We had a record a record twenty four hours in uh, in ticket sales and they cancelled the Grand Prix in in Melbourne on the Friday. Uh, and uh, life's been slightly different since. They call it um that day. So I remember it was it was Friday the thirteenth of March and they literally had. You know, people lining up outside the gates of the Grand Prix, and uh, then they called the cancellation. Uh, so, the, in the events world, that's known as Black Friday. It will forever be known as Black Friday. It was Friday the thirteenth as well. It's uh, yeah, it was a crazy day. It's it's funny that you mentioned it because now I, I hadn't given thought, but it was one of the events that there was a whole lot of what do we don't we do we don't we. Um, mm-hmm. at, at that stage, I was very focused on the craft beer conference in in the US and whether that was going to go ahead because I had flights and tickets booked for that. But it, it, it's funny how mentioning the Grand Prix, that all comes back to me. But you know, six months on, that just mm-hmm. seems like three years ago. No, it's a decade ago. But uh, and, and I remember it Vividly, it was. I probably will always remember it because it was so stressful. But uh, it was a day that the whole events world were, were basically um, scrambling and, and in panic, kind of thing. And uh, you know, particularly for those events, you know, like like us in our situation, we'd literally gone on sale for Brisbane, Melbourne, and Sydney, all three Australian events, um, forty eight hours before, and had record sales uh, to then try and you know this this uncertainty, like okay, our events are in. May and uh, you know, is that going to be enough time to get through this? Do we need to look at postponing? What what does that look like? Uh, you know, luckily in our instance, um, we'd kind of gotten ahead of the game a little bit, I think, and gotten in touch with each of our venues uh, and worked through a process with them. You know, you can imagine these venues that we book: the REB, the Sydney Showgrounds, Brisbane Convention Centre. You know, we're normally booking dates like I've got dates booked up to five years in advance. Um, they book out so quickly and you really have to get ahead of the game to, to get onto that. So to try and find alternate dates in the same year and in our situation where we need to have all three dates within a short window to ensure the, the beers are you know served at their best and so on, uh, it's a massive challenge. But luckily we were able to, to secure um, alternate dates and then, and then look at a postponement, that first postponement. With events like the, the the Gabs Roadshow, is it something you can just mothball um, and have you know salaries that you need to carry, or are there a you know like a, a huge amount of just 
ongoing costs that you are stuck with, even if the events don't go ahead? Look, uh, Matt, you know, it's an event like Gabs is pretty much nine months in the making. So, you know, you've got to, just to, to get to March, even though you, you know, you're three months out from, from event date, your uh, investment uh, in in resources, in in planning, in deposits into into venues, all the uh, the decor and everything else that makes the signage, everything that makes the event happen, um, is a sunken cost that already you know is already uh, done at that stage. Um, yeah, the the one thing about uh, Gabs is um, we've got a massive warehouse. Uh, Craig, what's the size of our warehouse? Couple of couple of hundred square meters. Yeah. Um, where we. We've got five container, five forty-foot containers, a couple of twenties. Uh, we got, you know, five hundred sets of tables and chairs, etc. So there's there's those rental costs. There's your normal operational costs that that run year round. And uh, Gab's currently really traded for six weeks in a year. So we miss those six weeks. Um, you know, it's it becomes a a holding a holding pattern uh, in 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 many many attributes. Um, yeah, and and as as with uh, you know every other business in hospitality that's that's been affected. I think the the industry has been incredible as to how it's uh, you know gathered and supported itself. Um, we've tried our best to play our part uh, and, and support the industry with some of the um, the new products that we've brought in in the sense of the uh, a beer with a brewer series. We've got the can design uh, component, which we'll touch base on a little bit later. But uh, you know there's so so you know the Yes, there's a huge investment that goes into the build-up to the event, and that that cost will only be recovered once we actually hold the event. I'll, I'll just go back to, to to that cost thing because it's one of the things that you know I, I've been known to sort of get very upset when people talk about how expensive a ticket price to a beer festival is. There, there are just so many costs in popping an event up, in taking a, an empty space, and turning it into. Uh, like an entertaining event that keeps people occupied and enthralled, quite apart from, you know, then making it something that's spectacular. Just being there has all of these costs that are, for most people, quite hidden, aren't they, Craig? Uh, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, we, we would obviously get the same sort of feedback um, occasionally when people will, you know, put forward that comment of uh, what I'm paying $40 a ticket just to get in the door and uh, and so on. But, you know, you're forgetting that we're basically providing, um, I mean, even the venue alone, like the Royal Exhibition Building, uh, Sydney Showgrounds, like those spaces aren't cheap. We're talking, you know, well over $100,000 just to hire the space for a few days. Um, you know, once you t- factor in the costs of uh, transporting around, uh, you know, three container bars full of, of beers, we're paying uh, each of those brewers that we're uh, arranging those festival beers, we're buying that beer from them to then uh, obviously on sell at the event. Um, even just uh, just staffing in general, like we'll have somewhere north of kind of 400 staff at each festival. Uh, and you obviously, you know, you, you, you want to make sure that you're paying everyone fairly and for their time and, and so on. So, yeah, the, co- the costs involved uh, are quite phenomenal. And um, uh, I can tell you that uh, these things run on the smell of an oily rag. Like we, we squeeze uh, every single cost possible to try and uh, create the best result. But um, at the same time, you want to make sure that you're not to the detriment of the experience. You want to make sure that we're providing that experience that uh, that people know and love. As Mike said, 18 months worth of costs pretty much need to be recouped in six weeks or you know five or six events. 
Yeah. Matt, I think the I think the best way to, you know, to probably that everyone can relate to is is organizing a wedding. You know, so if you organize your own wedding or if you organize your your 21st, you know, now imagine doing that. Uh, let's use Sydney as an example, 14,000 square meters of, of floor space, 400 staff, security, cleaners, decor, entertainment, you know, 100 unique plus beers, as, as Craig mentioned. And then over and above that, you need to advertise that it's not you're not just inviting your closest 200 friends. You, you know, you need to get fifteen thousand people to to uh, one venue over you know, over all the sessions. So you know, there's the advertising costs that come into it. So you know, if you put that into scale, put it into perspective, and then when you go, well, you're paying forty dollars uh, odd for a ticket. Um, it's it's great value at the end of the day. Or thirty three dollars if you're coming with a group of ten. Not to forget. <laughs> <laughs> always selling, always selling. Well, look, I mean, the, the, the events obviously, you know, there, there's been a little bit of hold on, hold on, hold on, can we go, can we go, can we go? Um, we're not going to see any GABS events this year. Is that, and am I correct in saying that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it has been, and I have to say that that uncertainty and that, uh, you know, we've, we've never really, apart from the, the latest kind of roadmap out announced in Melbourne, there's never been uh, a really clear roadmap for event organisers um, throughout this pandemic. And I completely understand and appreciate uh, the health restrictions and, and so on. And we all want to get through this, but that uncertainty is just a killer. It, it drains you emotionally and mentally. And it, you, you imagine, uh, you know, event planners work to a, a schedule. You, you really, I can, I can map out my entire year by, uh, okay, if Gabs is going to happen on this date, I need to do this by this date and this by this date and this by this date. And everyone's in the same boat. So, you know, all of a sudden, that roadmap is uh, is just completely unclear, and it's very hard to to operate in that in that circumstance. Um, but yeah, in terms of I guess our uh, deferment of the events for for this year, we've uh, we've really we've tried to fight the good fight and uh, and keep these events on the calendar as as long as possible. We've gone through uh, two postponements: uh, the first from you know May June to August September, and then to late October November, um, and really just with the intention of trying to allow the country more time to to get through this and to ease restrictions to the point where we can stage the event successfully and to that kind of standard that we we desire and expect. Um, unfortunately, just, yeah, with that, that latest roadmap out uh, in Melbourne, um, it has kind of put an end to our chances of, of staging the event at the RAB, unfortunately, this year. We've been a little delayed in kind of announcing that, and I really do uh, just want to take a moment to thank all of our fans, all of our exhibitors, all of our stakeholders, just for their patience while we worked through that. Um, our aim was basically to get to a final position on uh, Brisbane and Sydney as well. Um, that process has been a lot more challenging than uh, than we expected. Um, effectively, we, we could run an event in both Brisbane and Sydney uh, under the current restrictions, but we'd be limited to uh, about a thousand people per session, um, which for us, you know, it's, it's it's not so much about the commercial viability and so on. It's just not the experience that we want to deliver. Um, you know, we've we uh, have a whole range of exhibitors and partners on board. We want to, and even for our patrons, we want to create that atmosphere and that vibe. Um, and it it just wouldn't get us there. So we've been going through a, a quite rigorous process with uh, Queensland Health, with New South Wales Health, uh, I guess to try and almost take them on a journey of uh, how we can run this event in a COVID safe manner, how we can you know, um, put on an event to the scale that we'd like, but uh, with the measures in place to ensure that, you know, everything is done safely and, and so on. 
Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's um, it just hasn't gone our way, Matt. It's been uh, it's 2020. It's uh, we can't get a can't get a, a break. But um, so unfortunately, we have made the decision we're we're uh, deferring all events to our more traditional dates. Uh, next year, Brisbane will be mid-April. Uh, I think Sydney's next off the rank, 7th to the 8th of May, and then Melbourne, 21st to the 23rd of May. Um, yeah, tough call, but but I think, you know, for me, it's been amazing. We've spoken to all of our partners and exhibitors over the last few days. Um, and like Mike said, just the, the support within the industry for everyone to kind of continue to help each other out to get through this period together. Uh, like, I love this industry, Matt. It just it's, it blows me away how supportive everyone is. You know, just to reiterate what, what Craig said is, is thank you, first of all, our, our GAPS fans um, and everybody in the industry for allowing us to go the journey that we have. You know, we waited to the 11th hour to monitor uh, the rate at which uh, um, Queensland and New South Wales were we're opening up, and um, as Craig has said, you know we we can host an event up to a thousand people. That's but that's not Gab's our winter May festival as we know it. You know that's it's it's the premium event uh, in in our industry uh, in the country, and and it needs to be retained as such. And and the deferral is is makes perfect sense for all the reasons that Craig's put forward, and also for the reason that normally you know October. And November is when we actually go on sale for exhibitors, sponsors, everybody. So we, 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 you know, we're in the reset period where we would be on planning 2021 anyhow. This roller coaster has come full circle. <laughs> yeah, so we'll move straight, literally, you know, we'll literally move that deferral and, and go straight into that uh, into that process uh, on, on the Gaves Festival events. But what we are considering, um, and this will be quite exciting if, if we can make it happen for our you know, our fans out there is we are considering operating under the current guidelines, you know, be that uh, a thousand or, or potentially uh, far more by no late November, December, January. Um, we are looking at potentially bringing to market a, a Gab's uh, outdoor beer garden festival um, and Bringing that to market under the under the current the current uh, restrictions and guidelines, so there might be that taste of gabs uh, still coming uh, into the market. It's 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 early days on that. We have high anticipation in it. We we actually have already uh, overnight just received uh, some health health approval from Queensland to be able to to do that. Um, we're just uh, going to go through the process now and see if we can uh, if we can bring you that uh, that taste of gab. So all is not lost yet. Oh, no, that's very exciting. So, and uh, can I say that they heard it here first, folks? Uh, they, they, <laughs> you're damn right they did. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's very, very exciting. But, I, you know, look, as somebody who loves Gabs, and I remember the first time I walked into the Melbourne Exhibition Building, which I'd only ever trammed past uh, previously, and it's almost a building that is built to host a beer festival. In, in, in so many ways. You know, forget First Parliament and forget uh, Melbourne Exhibition. It is just such a wonderful venue for that. Yeah, those other, they were just warm up events for guests. <laughs> just getting the cobwebs um, out. It's amazing. We, um, uh, we have this weird kind of love hate tension with this building. It's kind of um, within our team. It's, uh, it is a stunning, stunning building. And if you haven't been to Gabs at the Royal Exhibition Building, uh, I would say it's one of those you just got to do it once at least um, experiences. 
it's just incredible. But obviously, it's a, it's a challenging building to work with as well. You've because got, of the rules around it, aren't they? Oh, you've got weight restrictions and all those pillars everywhere and the two floors. And so it's kind of this, you know, we work through it. We've, we know it so intimately uh, now. We've kind of, um, it is amazing. But yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it is the perfect building for Gabs. It'll always be the home of, uh, of Gabs Melman. You both mentioned independently, you know, a, a thousand person event doesn't have the atmosphere because quite apart from the building, having been at other gabs, it is the atmosphere that um, comes through with and, and some of the, the, the constant themes, the entertainment, the uh, Al Capone's sort of wandering around and just getting a vibe that, you know, I, I describe as a constructive vibe, you know, it's, it's not the, um, I don't know, it might upset people, the, the Yobbo vibe or the, you know, the, 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 the beer pig pen vibe of just people necking ales or you know, sort of necking lager. Um, it's a really happy vibe that adds to the experience. Yeah, and, and Matt, that's been um, a really conscious direction uh, over since Gabs began. I mean, I, you know, going back to Steve and Guy, um, you know, their passion was always about uh, sharing their love of craft beer. And, and because I think they came from that hospitality background rather than from, a I guess, a brewing background first and foremost, they've always had that customer experience as their number one priority. And, and that's something I'm a, a, a big passionate uh, believer in as well. Like you get all the little touch points, right. And the, and the rest will work. Um, so from us, it's, it's always been about putting craft beer on the pedestal and how do we bring people into that world in a really fun way. Um, it's about education. It's kind of, you know, down to the tasting notes in the guide, like uh, how can we, describe these beers in a way that um, just give people that, that little bit of education, that little bit of insight, um, but not in any way in any kind of elitist or beer snobbery or, or that kind of experience. Um, and at the same time, that's probably been a, a direction on the entertainment side of it as well. You know, you've got a lot of festivals out there that, are you know, have their main stage with headline acts and so on. And I love going to those events, um, but that kind of hybrid model was never really a focus for us. It was always about the entertainment being, supporting the beer experience if that makes sense yeah i think the incredible thing uh about gabs or going to to gabs is you know it's it doesn't matter where you are in the funnel so if it's your first experience of, of craft beer you walk in and it's this wow factor you know the big ferret wheel the over a hundred unique festival beers that are you know brewed exclusively for gabs and then you've got anywhere between 40 to 80 you know, uh, brewers and exhibitors available. So, yeah, you know, if you if you're coming in on that on, and, and you're starting your journey in craft beer, it just blows your mind. If you seasoned people that have been to nine in a row or six in a row, you're a serial offender. As I say, the people that you know, my friends that introduced me to Gabs, it, it is the first thing that goes on their calendar for the year. They've got their WhatsApp group, and it's Gabs gets earmarked on the calendar. It doesn't matter. You know, what else is happening? No one plans weddings or birthdays or anything around you know that 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 may uh, may period and and they at the pointy end of of the craft beer journey, but they love the fact that there's the, the new you know new and unique beers are there. I mean, we've launched over a thousand beers at Gabs. I mean, that's you know, put that in perspective: a thousand brand new beers brewed exclusively at at Gabs, and and some have gone on to be you know absolute rock stars. There's something for everyone, and that's you know that demographic that's that brings it. I think is where you were going, Matt. The demographic is just. It's, 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 it's in a great space that people can enjoy five hours of 
drinking, conversing, catching up with mates, with great, you know, entertainment, uh, and and obviously ending off with the crescendo with Bohemian Rhapsody, and everyone knows the word to absolutely every <laughs> every verse of it, as as we do after five hours in a you know in a craft beer festival environment. So it's uh, it's just a brilliant day out. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. Now, in the absence of Gabs for, for the year, although um, asterisks above that for whether we see one over the summer period, as we've just discussed, you have launched the uh, Can Design uh, Awards um, that we were very, very proud to uh, ha- have been part of, and it really seemed to come together well. There was so much excitement um, and celebration of great design. Yeah, it's uh, that was a... Um uh, a point of personal pride as well, Matt. I think, um, you know, the Can Design Awards, it sort of, it started, I think Steve had the initial idea way back and it's kind of been one of those things that has been boiling along in the background and um, we've just never really had the the time or the scope to uh, to get it sorted. So thanks, COVID. Great stuff. Good, good help there. Yeah, so the idea was really, we obviously run the Hottest 100 Craft Beers campaign at the end of the year and, and that campaign, you know, has kind of, set a benchmark for, you know, the most popular craft beers in the country, both in Australia and New Zealand. We kind of looked at, you know, there's a lot of other awards out there as well. You've got obviously the AIBAs and the Indies and, and so on. Um, but most of them focus on the beer. They're, they're looking at the liquid. You've got tables full of expert judges, you know, all kind of tasting and, and sniffing and looking and, and judging. But there wasn't a lot really focusing on what was going on on the outside of the can. And, and for us, that was, you know, why should the brewer get all the credit for a great beer? You know, sometimes marketing does play a really important part and uh, increasingly so, particularly with the rise of cans. Um, so yeah, for us, the Can Design Awards was an idea that let's let's put a plan around it, test it, see how it goes. Uh, and it blew me away. It just uh, was blew all of my expectations out of the water. I thought maybe we'll get sort of, you know, 80 brewers involved putting forward a design. We had, I think, nearly 130 uh, I thought voting or that public voting period for it, um, we had a shorter voting period of two weeks compared to five weeks for the Hottest 100. I thought, you know, who's going to sit around and, and vote on can designs? Uh, it was literally at Hottest 100 levels. Uh, it was insane. I don't know if that's just people in lockdown with a lot of time looking at pretty pictures and, and so on, but um, I think there was just a huge amount of engagement. And the feedback that we got, particularly from those marketers, those, those designers, was incredibly positive. You know, designers sort of, really enjoying the fact that they're seeing their work being put on a pedestal like that. But it, it, it's almost surprising that it wasn't done earlier because, as you said, you know, can design is so important and it is so celebrated on, on Facebook groups and the discussion, you know, both positive and negative. It, it, it seems to inspire such passion that in hindsight, I would never have tipped this beforehand, but in hindsight, um, it, it's not a surprise that people were so engaged in, in, in voting. Yeah, you're right there, uh, Matt. And it's, um, I think, you know, can art as the outside of the tin has become as important as the inside of the tin. Um, you know, especially with the the volume of of new drops and and entrance into the market uh, that you that you have, you know, you you walk into your your bottle shop um, and it's you know it's almost like walking into a sweet shop as a kid in the old days and going, well, you know, which one stands out the most? Uh, you know, obviously you got your styles and your favourites that you're going to go to, but um, I think that ability to to grab a consumer's eye. Um, has has really really been elevated uh, over the, over the last uh, couple of years, and it's it's really a, it's incredible to see the the move from you know a more should we call it 
traditional and almost boring label into really street art to funky stuff that's that's happening out there that that merges the the great beer inside it brings to life what you you know what, what, what your anticipation and expectation as a as a consumer is and and you know for myself coming from uh, you know a very strong marketing background i mean it, it was a great time to get this into marketing great that we you know we were able to take it to the level that we have and uh Really, we've got uh, we we launch in New Zealand um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, hold, hold hold on, there was a, there was there was just a little uh, mention there that we uh, didn't know. Did you just did you give give us another scoop did, then? Did, did, did we give you another? Scoop? <laughs> <laughs> so another talking drop. about burying the yeah. lead. Yeah, we we uh, we launching uh, um, the New Zealand Can Design Awards uh, in the next couple of weeks uh, as uh, as an extension. I mean, there's incredible art in that market, uh, as as we all aware uh, already. So high anticipation as to um, to for for that uh, for that awards and for the voting uh, in it. But it's you know we we're already super excited about where we can take this next year. Um, you know, we 127 businesses entered. You know, if you put that in perspective. It's 127, you know, predominantly small businesses um, that each either have an in-house or or, or a uh, individual designer or some at a at agency level, and to be able to, you know, elevate that, bring it to the fore. Um, I really think we, you know, we, we're looking probably around 250 entrants next year would be would be our anticipation. So we're super excited where where this award can go, and we were great to be able to through our partners uh, and thank you for for yourselves as being one of those. It was great to be able to to give something back to to the brewers, so to to you know the finalists uh, um, each walked away with great prizes, and we had a great consumer component as well, where you know over a hundred people uh, won beer vouchers. So it it was kind of a win win scenario all round. So it it was a super super campaign. And yeah, you know what, Matt? It was nice to see uh, some new faces on that on that shortlist and the podium as well. I mean, obviously the hottest one hundred. It's often talked about in the fact that uh, you know basically any beer that's been released that year can be eligible, including some of those um, long-standing favourites like Stonewood Pacific Ale and so on. Uh, we we made a conscious choice with this campaign with the Can Design Awards to limit it to only designs that had been released in the last twelve months. So in an effort to I guess avoid that kind of you know podium fatigue I guess and um, uh, and bring in new designs every single year. Um, and great to see some of those guys like Little Bang, I know with their face inverter, that incredible label uh, that took out the title this year, you know, they, they were just over the moon. Um, you know, it's, it's a, they're a mid-sized brewery from South Australia, uh, you know, but just to win that award and get that recognition uh, is fantastic. I'll say, Matt the, Matt, the interesting thing as well is, is uh, can design can be as polarizing as as opinion on a beer too. <laughs> it, 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 it was incredible to, you know, to uh, look at the banter between um, beer fans going around as as you know, uh, certain sectors would really really embrace and enjoy a design, and other sectors were extremely critical of it. Uh, you know, so it was it's 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 it was a lot of fun at the same time. It's a great example of I I don't know much about art, but I know what I like, isn't it? Hundred <laughs> percent. Art is in the beer holder. Is in the eye of the beholder. Anyway, um, uh, but yeah, actually, Craig, I, I just want to pick up on something that you mentioned because it has been. I, I know that in some of the chats we've had over the years, it has been something that for the hottest one hundred, it has proved a challenge. And you have wondered, well, do we make the hottest one hundred? Um, you know, only new beers for the for the year or, or whatever. And you know, I'm 
as you know, very firmly in the camp that I think that it provides an awesome snapshot of beer over time. Um, and whilst there may be some podium fatigue, you know, seeing as beers come and go and up and go, it's, you know, we're seeing such rapid style development and we, we, we saw lagers come back after they were out for a while. And so I, I love that. Um, is is there any thoughts about uh, Hottest 100 for next year? Are you you're going to keep the uh, current format? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. It's been a debate, um, I think, every single year I've been with the business. It's it's constant debate. Uh, and um, we do, we do. I read every single Facebook comment and every single... <laughs> every That's single, not good for your mental health. Oh, uh, you, you wouldn't believe it. We get... I've had angry emails at, uh, you know... Um, midnight after the countdown's released, after someone's probably been on the beers a bit too much, and this is bullshit. And uh, yeah, we, we we read all that, we take it all into, into consideration. But um, you know, it was part of the reason. I think I think it was about maybe four years ago we we started branching that uh, that main Aussie countdown into um, into those sublists. So we released the you know the hottest next beers, the 101 to 200, um, the hottest new beers. We do actually release. A list of the hottest new beers and that that list in particular goes quite deep into the results so by the time you're looking at the top voted um, beers that have been released in the last 12 months you know by the time you get down to the hundredth you know top new beer released in the last 12 months you, you're looking at beers that probably came in you know in the 300 to 400 range in the uh, in the main results um, so we do we do release that content um, it's it's not I guess shown on the countdown the countdown is the main 100 every single year but we do want to offer that information so if people who are interested in that data can dig a bit deeper it's also probably good with me coming in with with fresh eyes on it as well and i and i tend to agree with where where you were going um you know while there's healthy debate around every year is the top 100 most popular beers are beers that stood the test over time um, and you know you are going to get some great beers that that reappear you know year in and year out because they are great beers um, and that sets the benchmark for for emerging uh, drops to 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 match uh, and and where they need to go and and you know as Craig was saying it's it's wonderful that we've got the we've got the series of lists that you can you know you can go we, we do cover the hottest 100 beers, new beers in the last 12 months, and we do cover, you know, um, different different levels. So it's the I think it's I think if a person stood back and, and looked back in, uh, they would go, okay, cool. I'm into new beers. That list, you know, that's my hottest 100 list. Mm. But if you look at over time, you know, if you're the most popular beers over time, um, you know, we we get over 2,000 entries. You know, to you know, you're narrowing it down to the top hundred over <laughs> you know, out of 2,000 entries, and and that needs to be put into perspective as well um, as to just how good how good your beer's got to be to to land in the the, the top 100. I agree with you, and I think the importance of the historical record that the Hottest 100 provides is only going to become more and more important as time passes. You know, when you look at how quickly the industry has changed over five years and you look back to the early days of and some of the beers that featured, I think it's a really important historical document. But then, and, you know, if I was asked to come up with my top five new beers of a year with so many new beers being released i can't remember you know like i literally cannot remember i can remember the beers that are in my constant portfolio or the beers that have really wowed me during the year 
but trying to trying to sort of separate. Well, was it this year or and in twenty twenty particularly? I mean, there's I, I described um, twenty twenty yesterday as it's a little bit like driving across the desert. There have just been no milestones to, uh, <laughs> to 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 mark the passing of time. There haven't been you know gabs and good beer week and those sorts of things where to divide up the year. So uh, I think this year would be impossible to sort of uh, remember new beers. And yeah, and you know what, Matt? It's it's also true on the flip side. You know, you've got your um, beer faithful who could probably easily rattle off you know here are my five favorite new beers that were released this year but then you've got that you know beer kind of newbie who's sort of coming in and going well i can't even name five craft beers that i regularly drink like it sort of you and i think you've got a you know the purpose of gabs and the purpose of the hottest 100 has always been about the same thing to bring new people into the craft beer world so if we're kind of excluding those new people who you might be turned off by the idea of um i don't even know what half of these beers are i i think that goes against our our purpose and our philosophy that's a, actually a really good point because i do worry sometimes that craft beer does form its own little walled garden um mm-hmm. and it, it can be particularly if you have to have a level of assumed knowledge it can actually almost become exclusive and there's a risk in that because you know the idea is if you kind of take that bigger step back and go, well, hang on, craft beer is still only, what do they say now, like 10% of the market or 11 or whatever it might be. But, you know, you line up 10 beer drinkers and one of them is into craft beer. Mm. The rest are all drinking, you know, uh, mainstream lagers or whatever it might be. You know, our purpose in life is really just to try and convert the second person and the third person and, and get them drinking better beer. These campaigns, these events, it all ties back to that. Um, so I think, yeah, you're right. If we, if we, made changes made it more exclusive made it more uh, elitist or whatever it might be we'd, we'd immediately be doing ourselves and the industry a disservice guys believe it or not we're, we're coming up on 50 minutes uh, for this chat it's been a great chat um and this is why it's called beer as a conversation because it's been a great conversation that uh, our listeners have been lucky to be part of i think mike just before we do let you go um it has been a a, a tough year to have taken over one of the biggest uh, beer festivals uh, in in the country. Any regrets? You know? Oh, no, 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 none, none whatsoever. You know, I don't even have to think about that one. Uh, absolutely none whatsoever. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an incredible Gabs as a festival is obviously uh, um, an incredible experience. Um, Gabs as a brand and what we, what we're able to do uh, with the brand uh, and, um, introduce um, new elements to the market is is really exciting and, and we've got a great vision for for gabs um you know it's it's this is a moment in time uh, it will pass um and you know we'll be celebrating the 20th gabs festival you know down the line and and we'll be talking uh, right oh remember 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 covid you know it's going to be one of those <laughs> one of those when we stories um you know, I've got a, a fantastic uh, team around me. A, a challenge has been, uh, you know, coming in as a as a new member of that team and and then having to operate via via Zoom over the last six months, which we're in different cities and and different different places. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, without without challenges, what is life? So um, you know, it's it's definitely no not not no regrets whatsoever. Um, and yeah, looking forward to to where we can go uh, with Gabs. Um, as a festival and uh, not only uh, in the local market, but, but beyond, you know, we've bought the, 
the business um, with uh, high anticipation and and some you know great uh, vision as to what we, we what we want to do with it. And it's all about for the love of craft beer. It's all about the the brewers and the consumers. And if we can be the gel that brings those two together um, and elevates the experience for both, that's what we want to be. And I, I got to say, Matt, if I can uh, allow me a little shout out to Mike and his team. Uh, you know, he's come on board with all this excitement and ambition and, 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 you know, this is it gabs to the world. This is amazing. And, uh, and to be hit with, you know, the biggest crisis to hit events since probably world war two, uh, is insane. Um, you know, but through it all, he really has been a, a fantastic support for, for myself and for the whole team and, uh, keeping that positivity, uh, through lockdown after lockdown. Um, yeah, it, it, I've, I've got to say I'm thoroughly enjoying it and it's, um, it's been a privilege. Well, Craig, just before uh, we, we do finish, you know, you've, you've managed to drop uh, that there could be a taste of gabs uh, over summer, that there's going to be a beer can design awards in New Zealand. Uh, and anything else that you want to announce? Like, are we going to see a uh, you know, Great Australian uh, Seltzer Spectacular or anything like that uh, announced for 2021? Or Well, that does have a certain, like, if you called it gas, that has a gas. real ring to it. <laughs> Um, I like where you're going there, Matt. Maybe we should talk. Uh, yeah, seltzers. Will there be a uh, seltzer bar in uh, 2021? Look, don't never say never, Matt. This is, um, you know, white claw. There's no, there's no laws when you're drinking claws, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, terrific. Well, congratulations, uh, Mike and Craig. Thank you very much for joining us uh, for, for a great chat and uh, you know, our best wishes. And I know that uh, you know all of the listeners uh, would feel the same because we do have a lot of industry listeners who uh, will be missing having been involved and a lot of uh, consumers who would really have missed the uh, chance to get along and try the event. So here's uh, you know, hoping that it uh, only gets uh, bigger and stronger in 2021. Super. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate it. And a big thanks to all, of, all the exhibitors out there as well. Thank you. And that was Mike Bray and Craig Williams. We really wish them every success for 2021 when we can all get out and start enjoying beer festivals again. Fingers crossed. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With more than 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. Your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of this conversation and the Radio Brews News channel. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. 